You are listening to Jai Long, and this is Make Your Break, episode 130. Today, I'm speaking with Rachel and Daniel from Mango Street Lab, and these guys are so cool. I absolutely love their creativity, what they create, and you probably have seen them or heard of them on YouTube. So they have over a million subscribers on YouTube, which is almost unheard of as wedding photographers or editorial photographers or creative photographers as they are. They now consider themselves more video creators because obviously they're going into YouTube full time. But I'm going to ask them a whole bunch of questions on how it looks to work together with your partner, setting those goals, how it looks juggling different career moves and going from one to the other to the other, how it looks from changing locations, you know, going from Chicago to Los Angeles and actually moving around and starting all over again. Now, if you didn't know, I actually have a story which I share at the start of this podcast episode of how I started my career and how Rachel and Daniel actually had a big part of it. And they have never even heard the story. So I finally got them on the show because I've wanted to get them on here for the last couple of years. Got them on the show to share with them that story. And I think it's going to be a bit of a laugh for you. But it's so cool to be able to go into a big full circle from... When we all first started out, I think they started about the same time as me, maybe just a bit before me. And then how, yeah, we've kind of grown leaps and bounds in different ways and different projects and done a whole lot of different things and uh, a lot of good stories along the way. Hey, so before we get into the episode, don't forget the Wedding Photography Summit is coming up. It's on the 22nd, 23rd of November. I'm so extremely excited about it. It's 14 hours worth of content, live content. There's going to be a DJ. There's 10 world-class speakers. I'm talking we've got the best of the best that are rolling up their sleeves to come and give us some great strategies, some great stories, and some good energy. Tickets are $7, right? And we're sending out 1,000 journals to the people that buy the first 1,000 tickets, which is crazy because... Seriously, we're sending them out free postage. These journals are valued at $65. There's a habit tracker. There's goal setters. There's motivational stuff in there. There's so much goodness inside these. And I want to get you to buy a ticket as fast as possible to give us time to send out a journal so it gets to you in time of the event. So the event's on the 22nd, 23rd of November. But seriously, if you buy a $7 ticket, we're going to send you all of that plus 14 hours worth of content, plus the DJ, plus, you know, everything else. We're having breakout rooms. We're having um, live chat. We're going to have so many things. So if you're not in that room, like, I don't know what you're doing. You must get into that room. So head over to weddingphotographysummit.com for all the details. You'll see everything there. We're also releasing awards. And for the awards, these are someone's going to be named a wedding photographer of the year at these awards. And we're raising money for charity against domestic violence as well. So all profits from the awards are going to two different charities that help with domestic violence worldwide. So something that's really close to my heart, I'm really passionate about it. And I can't believe we get to to be in a position where we get to give back to a community and especially to charities that I've actually personally have benefited from due to our own circumstances when I was growing up and going through a lot of domestic violence with my parents and things like that. So the fact that we can give back is just absolutely mind-blowing. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hey, Daniel and Rachel, how are you guys? I'm so excited that you're finally on the show. And 
I know that you know that I've been following you guys since the very beginning of my career and I've got a cool story to share with you guys real soon as well. But could you guys introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about who you are? Sure. I'm Rachel Galata. I'm Daniel Inskeep. We are photographers. We have a YouTube channel called Mango Street where we make photography tutorials that don't waste your time, behind the scenes videos of shoots. And we started off as wedding photographers and now we're accidental YouTubers, I guess. <laughs> That's so cool. Like I actually was just looking at your social media and I noticed that there wasn't too many weddings on there anymore. Yeah, we yeah. pretty much phased those out. Yeah, we haven't shot a wedding or even answered a wedding inquiry <laughs> since like uh, like maybe 2018 was our last wedding. Yeah, how, just, how does it feel? Fine. I wouldn't want to be shooting weddings right now. Like kudos to people who are doing it during a global pandemic. After this is all over, I would like to get back into the swing of it with maybe maybe my sister. She's a wedding photographer in Chicago and we're moving back to Chicago. So that's like in the plans for down the line. But for now, while the world's on fire, I'm happy to just be working from home. Yeah, it's just, it's been easier just to focus on kind of one core business um, instead of having to like worry about making videos and then also having to work around weddings and things like that. And it's just kind of frees up our schedule because, you know, with weddings, you're booking so far out. So far out. So Mm. it's like kind of locks up, you know, your, what you can do so far ahead. I I don't really like booking that far ahead for things. So it's just been easier for us, I think. Yeah. And it's it's a little less stressful too, (laughs) not having like a clients where it's like, you know, weddings are, they're, they're pretty stressful. Even if you're even if you've been doing it for years, you know, it's still a lot of pressure to do a good job and, you know, not, not screw anything up too bad. So it's kind of nice to not have that pressure anymore as well. Word. Yeah. I love that you um, are talking about this because I'm like starting to step away from weddings as well. And what's interesting as like a business coach myself, I've done so many different things, but one thing that I felt at the start of being a mentor or a coach was it's good that I'm in the industry. So I understand things, but what I've realized lately And I know a lot of wedding photographers want to come to me because I am a wedding photographer. But what I realized lately is like, I can't actually give them the attention they deserve because I'm usually shooting weddings and editing weddings and things like that. So realistically, it's actually better if my attention is in their business, working on their success. So it's funny how my mindset has sort of shifted and it feels strange giving up work that's usually one to two years booked ahead. So that's strange. Yeah. It's a whole different animal, you know, stepping away from weddings and kind of focusing on a different aspect of photography, if that's education or, or whatever. Hey, um, I'm going to quickly share you guys a story with you guys. So let's wind back, I think to 2013. Instagram was kind of pretty fresh, like it was only a few years old. And back then there was no DMs. You couldn't really respond to people. You had to sort of like, you guys remember what Instagram was like. And it sounds so nice. I can't remember it not having yeah. DMs. <laughs> I know. It sounds like an and, app I want to download. <laughs> exactly. And it was also so freeing because like you knew none of your friends followed you or your family followed you. And it was literally just a creative industry of people mm-hmm. that shared their passion. And I think that was really cool about it as well. So I had this journey. I was, I was an electrician at the time and I was like, you know what? I want to give up my job. I want to be a full-time wedding photographer and I want to make this happen. And so what I did was at the time I went to my boss, I told him I'm quitting my job. And then I had to get some money. So I sold my car. And then all of a sudden there was no work in Australia because in Melbourne it was winter and we're going out of wedding season. And I didn't calculate for that. 
So what I did was I was like, what if I go to the Northern hemisphere and I start shooting some weddings? And even if I shoot them for free, as many as I can. So then that way, when I come back to Australia for summer, then I've already shot a whole portfolio of weddings. I'm already an international wedding photographer. Potentially I could be published, like all these things. So I made it my mission to reach out to anyone and everyone everywhere to put out the word that I was coming to the US for three months. I'm going to shoot weddings and please, like if I can get any recommendations and I, and I reached out to other photographers, to wedding venues, to wedding planners, to magazines, to blogs, to everyone. And I reached out to you guys. And what's interesting is one of the weddings, you guys actually recommended me a wedding that was happening in Chicago and they contacted me and they thought maybe it was a scam or something. I got chatting with them and it all worked out. So I flew over and I shot their engagement shoot in Arizona. And then I went on to shoot their wedding in Chicago and they went on to being some of my best friends. And they even flew over to my wedding in Australia. But that wedding, I know that wedding in Chicago was the basis of my whole career because even from that wedding, when I shot that in Chicago, I met so many people. I spread my wings everywhere, but then also... I remember it was like exactly two years to the day almost. I um, got paid to fly over to Chicago and I shot the most, I shot a big wedding that was like the most I've ever been paid for a wedding. And I remember sitting there going like, man, only 24 months ago, I was here hustling, working for free. And now I'm here and someone's actually paying me what I'm worth. And it literally all came down to like reaching out to you guys and put myself on a line. And you guys being so kind to actually give someone else a leg up. So there. That's a really sick story. I love that. But back up for one second. They thought that we were a scam or they thought you were a scam? No, I was a scam because you guys said, hey, I'm actually booked out. But there's this Australian guy that said that he's coming over and he might shoot some weddings for free. I'm not sure about the details, but I suggest you reach out to him. Now, when they reached out to me, they were like, is this a scam? Because why would anyone shoot a wedding for free? Ah, So I had to get onto a Zoom call and I had to really, like selling yourself for free services is the hardest sale you can ever do, especially for their wedding. So I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm on the other side of the world. And I'm like, guys, trust me, I'm going to get on that plane. I'm going to fly over there. I'm going to shoot your wedding. Like, it's going to be amazing. And to get someone over the line on that, like that's hard work. Yeah, that's probably a, a hard thing to convince someone when they, you know, you're far away and you're not being paid. Like, what's going to make sure that you're there? And that's a lot of faith. I think a lot of trust, you know? Yeah. I want to say a couple of things to you guys. I always think of like acts of kindness that has helped me in my career. And then I've seen you guys since then, since then, you guys are absolutely blown up, right? But when the people that I've seen in my life that have blown up, have always been people that have helped people around them come up. And that's something that I see like a quality of you guys. And I've seen it personally, but I think it just says so much. And I think so many people miss that point, you know, having that service mentality and abundance mentality and actually being open to like opportunities and open to ideas and things like that. And I've always seen those people are always the ones that progress so much further than everybody else. That means so much to me that you said that or that you even noticed that because that's something that we really tried hard to do, like not just for anybody, but especially for people who we think deserve it and are not getting opportunities, like um, especially in the YouTube, like photography Mm. space. There are a lot of people who work really hard, who are super talented and they just don't get any momentum for whatever reason. And we always make it a point to like elevate those people. Um, yeah, elevate those people. And what we notice is kind of the opposite is that like most people don't do that. And um, they don't. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most people don't do that. And, and even like a lot of people will kind of use us as like a stepping stone to get to the next point and don't ever remember, don't ever like, yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, it's hard. It gets, it makes me not want to be in this space because it's like exhausting. It happens all the time. So you're literally the first person that's ever like said, thanks for that. So that, that yeah. really well, means a lot. <laughs> I think it's really interesting because I know it's really hard and trust me, like I have the same thing. I have people using me for whatever reason all the time as well. And there's barely ever a thank you that comes back. But I think for times like now, when you do have an impact, like a profound impact on someone else and they do come and confront you about that, it makes it all worth it. Like it makes all the other people worth it that you helped all these other people because you forget the impact that you can have on someone. And so I think kindness wins, you know what I mean? So yes, we get, we, we get so jaded, don't we? It's like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It's like, you know, this person just went and did this and did that. And that's not what we're trying to do. But then the end of the day it's like, yeah, but we're making an impact and we in, I sleep good at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of all we can hope for is just like, keep your integrity, stay true to like what you think, you know, your values or whatever. And then, you know, just let everything else kind of roll off your back and just, as long as you can, you know, sleep good at night, I think then that's okay. Hey, I just want to share one other quick, tiny little story. Just, just going off this. I know it's just me talking here, but I recorded a little documentary last earlier on in the year and it was called Jack Short. And it's where I started a business in five days with $2,000 and had to book a client and I had to build a portfolio and do all that kind of stuff. So one interesting thing was I was undercover. So no one knew who I was, but I reached out to a lot of different people, just like I did. I was basically replicating what I did back in 2013. And so one thing that happened was, um, I reached out to all these people that had no followers, all these people that were like up and coming in the industry, but they haven't made it yet. And no one got back to me. Then I was like, man, I know I've only got 80 followers, but I'm going to start reaching higher. I'm going to reach out to some of my successful friends undercover. So they didn't know who I was. You know, they got 20,000 followers, 30,000, 50,000. What I noticed was all the people that already had big success didn't actually judge me for coming up or for shooting for free or that I had 80 followers. And they were open to working with me. The only people where the other people said, Hey, you've only got 80 followers. Come back to me when there's something in it for them. And it just made me realize like, man, the reason why some people have huge success is because they are playing a different game. Like they are full of abundance and they see opportunity everywhere where the other people are trying to work out like how they could get their leg up above anyone else and try and dominate the market. Like, however that is. So I just felt like that was an interesting learning that came out of that experience. That is interesting. And that is a, that's a really fun experiment to try out. I'm curious how you went undercover. Did you wear a wig? Did you have a different accent? (laughs) Um, Just Instagram DMs with a fake. A less fancy shirt. A less fancy. fancy, Yeah, no, I had my, I definitely had my fancy shirts, but I just went on Instagram and just didn't show my face. And I called myself Jack Shaw and I would introduce myself as like, Hey, I'm just starting out. I'm an electrician. Want to quit my job. And I like talk to him like that. And yeah, it was really interesting. So your friends didn't, your friends didn't let you down. That's good. (laughs) No. And it was really, really, really nice to see. And I think for myself, like I get back to all my DMs, but it's really nice to be on the other end and just know, for instance, like I don't know you guys feel this, but when someone reaches out to me and they, they do have 80 followers on Instagram and the fact that I can give them time, for some reason, it feels like I'm giving more. It's, I don't want to say it's more valuable, but, but I know it's going to land on them harder than if it was someone else that had like more followers than me or something, because it's the same as like, um, 
if you if you went into a poor neighborhood, like I grew up in a poor neighborhood, and someone gave us fifty dollars, that would mean so much. But if you went to a rich neighborhood, fifty dollars like probably has less value. So I mm. I sort of think about it like that. Yeah, interesting. Hey, so I want to know because now I shared your story of how I actually made my break and made my whole career based off just that us communicating. How did you guys make your break? Hmm. I don't think I can pinpoint a certain. We, maybe we haven't made a break yet. Yeah, maybe we, we haven't. <laughs> broke. Uh, I mean, you know what? Rachel started photographing weddings in 2012. Was your first one? I think. Yeah, Graham. in December of 2012 was my first wedding. So really, 2013 in uh, Northwest Indiana, and uh, it's not the most glamorous place to photograph. It's not the most glamorous place in general, but you know, and it was just started off for years, kind of just work, you know, getting experience, working a, your way up. It's a place where $50 would mean a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, you know, you start off with like a free wedding for a family member, then like a three. We were at $700 yeah. for the first several. Yeah. And I was getting into photography at the same time too. Well, like you were showing me how to use your camera, your, your 5D Mark II was, or whatever. He's not, he's being nice. I was forcing him to do weddings with me. <laughs> so I'm like learning. I mean, honestly, that was a good, good way to learn is, you know, I just as like a, a second shooter or something a little bit lower, lower pressure. But, um, and we did that for years, you know, we moved to Chicago and I was still working full-time as like a video editor. You were doing weddings full-time and, um, I think it was, it was going well, you know, you're booking as many weddings as you pretty much wanted, right? Like yeah, 30 weddings. yeah, like 25 to 30 a, a year yeah, for a couple good. years. And then we moved to LA and like basically started over. Yeah, it was kind of tough to, you know, move 2,500 miles away or whatever, and then not have the same, you it, know, not have any connections. Yeah, LA having... is a different, I don't know if it's just like the time, because we moved out in like 2015. And I don't know if everybody was just changing or if LA is just a specific kind of place or both. But like in Chicago, we had so much community in, the photography world mm-hmm. like, and through Instagram. Like, yeah. Like if we needed a second shooter, like we had a whole support system. If we had, you know, we needed a lens, there's like, we had so many people we can call. And like, when we moved to LA, like it, it was, was all gone. Yeah. It was just, we felt like an Island. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. kind of every man for himself out here. So building a business out here was trickier, but like the, a lot of, once we started booking weddings, they were really cool weddings, really cool couples. It Amazing was like, people. It was kind of like, um, like one of the reasons why we wanted to move out here was just like a change of scenery, different people who are maybe like more receptive to our style of photography. And um, it ended up being that way. And those weddings were amazing. And it was really easy to build. Like they were all portfolio builders. So like we could raise our prices way more than we could in Chicago. It was... But it probably took like, a, I don't know, a year and a half or so in LA. And like... One thing we did when we lived here after a few months, we drove up to uh, Portland. It's like a 17 hour drive. And we met up with a couple of friends and we did like a styled shoot with them, like an, an elopement kind of style shoot. It was well worth the trip and like, you know, the money we put into it and like paying them a little bit of money and buying the suit or whatever, you know? So we got some really nice images that really kind of helped us market to the types of clients we yeah. wanted to book. So that was like a very worthwhile thing that we did. And then from there, it just kind of started snowballing. And, and I would say like, um, what, a, a couple years after moving here, you know, is when we started the YouTube channel and that kind of helped, it brought more eyes on our work and then inquiries would come from that. And then it ended up just like taking over the wedding photography business that we had and just became our full-time our, thing. You yeah, can't do both really. It's really tough to do both. Like most people, 
you're kind of one or the other, you either like full-time working photographer or you're a full-time working YouTuber. And if you're focusing more on full-time photography work, you're probably posting way less frequent. And um, the thing with YouTube is that everything comes so last minute, like all of the brand deals, all of the like traveling, everything is so last minute that you can't have a weekend booked. Like we'd get an inquiry and it's just like, okay, we can have $8,000 for, you know, a weekend in a year and a half, or like maybe we have like a $40,000 deal that weekend. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it got to the point where it was just like hard to, you can't do both. (laughs) Yeah. It would have been really tough. Yeah. Mm. Two really interesting things with your make and your break is you actually changed location and you changed careers. And I think like a lot of people don't get uncomfortable like that. Like people like to get comfortable. And once they get the success they get, they stay in that lane until it fizzles out and then they become irrelevant. But I noticed like people that get bigger and bigger, they never hang on to what they had and they're always evolving to what they want. And that may be becoming uncomfortable with like moving in surroundings, moving into a new area, moving into a new room, learning a new skill, changing careers. Do you think being able to adapt like that and change like that has helped you guys with your journey? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I just think we get bored. Yeah, we, we do. We have to, like, we only lived in a place for two years or two something. Two years, probably. Other nice. than that, for the last like 10 years, we've pretty much moved almost every single year. Yeah. Like in Chicago, we move around to different neighborhoods just to get a different feel for what it's like living in those areas. And in LA, we did, did the same, mostly stayed downtown, but like, we're kind of, we get a little restless and when we want to do something else and like staying comfortable was never like, you know, I think Chicago was pretty comfortable. I had a comfortable job as a video editor. Rachel had her client base and connections, you know, a network of people, but it was just like, it really wasn't, hundred percent satisfying to like what we wanted to be doing. I didn't want to be doing, you know, the work I was doing. It was too, you know, like I had a boss, he would say, um, we're not making Super Bowl commercials here. And I was like, well, I don't know. I'd rather do Super Bowl commercials than like a small business, like uh, corporate videos, things like that. And so, um, you I, kind of had to move away from him because you couldn't tell him no. It was, it was just like, it was an accommodating job for also being like, I could take a week off to go if we wanted to travel and shoot a wedding and we could make it kind of like a mini vacation out of it. So it was a very flexible job. So it was kind of hard just to leave it and still stay in the city. So yeah, we moved all the way to California, but um, we have that a little bit of that drive just well, to- I think it's like maybe less drive. Well, for me, less drive, more like, a, we're like dreamers. Like we kind of just like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't we're know if it's not being content adventure. or just yeah. like always like thinking up a new thing that we want to do. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, we is have a lot of crazy is it ideas. Is scary to let go of the old? I don't think so. It, it just depends. Or like, is it more context? exciting for the new? I, I I tend to find it more exciting, and um, but you know it depends. Rachel gets sentimental about things sometimes. For jobs, I'm never sentimental. Um, <laughs> Bye. <laughs> well, sometimes you think about working at Starbucks. You're like, oh, I kind of miss working at Starbucks sometimes. Literally, we'll go to like, like if we go by a, a Starbucks and it has like a help wanted sign, I'll be like. Oh, should I, actually, yeah, should I apply? Like, like, like literally I do that everywhere. And I'm like, like I can you... dream of myself doing anything anywhere. Yeah. And I'm always mm. like, I think you're done with Starbucks. You know, that was quite a long time ago. Tight job. It's interesting. I think um, like for myself, I'm like you, Rachel, like I have had so many jobs throughout my life, even pizza boy, mowing lawns, like whatever it is, being an electrician, wedding photographer, but I loved all my jobs. And so I 
kind of miss all of like if I had to go back to any of them, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, I can do this again. So I've never actually had a necessity to leave my career or change my career, but it was more an ambition because I knew that I didn't want to stay where I was. Yeah, I can uh, relate to that as well. And I, I used to deliver pizzas as well. And honestly, sometimes I'm like, oh, I kind of miss delivering she, pizzas. She talks about missing mm. it all the time. It's not sometimes, so it's I, all the time. I'm going to open a pizza <laughs> shop someday, but I just like, you know, keep challenging myself. I like getting better and I like being around people who are better than me. Yeah, Daniel's really driven. Yep. I'm more loosey-goosey, but he's driven. Do you, do you guys um, set goals? We have like um, before what we like maybe maybe in 2020 we did it and maybe it was just because we were going stir crazy, but we made like vision boards, which is kind of out of character. So for us. out of character for us. We put them on our we like printed them out and put them on the fridge. But other than that, I don't think that we've really done. Yeah, that's that's definitely a, a weird time we were having. I guess <laughs> normally we're just like on a hamster wheel and we're just like in the moment trying to get done what's on our plate, but. Last year, maybe we had time to get a little. And, you know, we'll make kind of arbitrary, like, you know, it'd be nice if we hit this number of whatever yeah. or. Yeah. If we could build this YouTube channel up to generate this much revenue, then that would be a cool, cool goal to achieve. But other than that, yeah, we, we are kind of a little bit more in the moment. We have like more of maybe long-term ideas of what would be fun to do, but we don't really have concrete goals so much. Totally. Is it more like a vision for your future life? So for instance, like when you put a number on something like, oh, I'd love to make this much for YouTube, like from YouTube, it's not really like, well, that's cool. It's going to be sitting in the bank account. Is it more so like, well, next year, if we made this much, like imagine what we could do. We could probably do more shows. Yeah. We could probably travel a bit more. We probably could have more time to hang out and do other things. Yeah, I think we, we, we a lot of times think about what we would do yeah. if we didn't have to. Daniel's always thinking about retiring. Yeah. like, And I'm not thinking about no, anything. Like a lot, some, some <laughs> things I enjoy doing, I don't want to be, I don't want it to be tied to like uh, making money. Like I, I like making music, but the music yep. business is terrible. So it'd be nice if I could spend, you know, a several months working on music, but I can't really right now because in the back of my mind, I'm like, I got to be earning, you know, I got to be making sure that we can pay our bills and things like that. So that's mostly like, I think about in the future, like being, um, financially set where you can kind of just, you know, if you want to do business or yeah, but yeah, be, mm. be financially free essentially. So you can kind of just do whatever you feel like doing and not worry if it makes money or not, because a lot of things mm. I like are more fun if you don't worry about the money aspect. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm actually probably just the same as Daniel on that one. Like I don't actually, you know, set like huge goals, but I do dream of my life. And if so, people always say to me like, Jai, you couldn't retire. You love work so much, but I'm like, it's not work and making the money that I love. I love being creative and like putting on big events and doing cool things, which never involves money. So of course, like I would still go out and do massive projects and do all the things that I want to do. But if I had the freedom just to do them without any consequences, it's, man, I would take that any day of the week over working for a paycheck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you guys find that you're always, like I know there's a lot of listeners right now that are like, working with their partner. Do you guys ever find that you're always in line with each other's goals or do you ever sort of butt heads when it comes to goals and what the vision is and, and what's next and what you want to do in your business? Sure. I mean, most of the time I think we're pretty aligned, but you know, sometimes like it, usually it's, you know, if we're working on a shoot for a video, we can get off the same page and, and like have a little bit of miscommunication as to like what we're envisioning. You know, yeah. What we're envisioning. Mm -hmm. And so usually Rachel has the clear vision and I'm more like, I think I kind of know what she's talking about. And sometimes I don't. And so then it can be like a little bit frustrating for her. I think if I'm on a 
I'm thinking something completely different or, you know, sometimes I worry more about the, maybe the production aspect of it and you can, you know, it's, it's so a little bit probably trickier. more like the executor. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, one of the downsides of doing YouTube is like, we haven't done a photo shoot without filming video for it in mm. year in years. And like, that's not necessarily like when you love photography, sometimes you just want to focus on the photography and just have fun with it. And not mm. like, um, when we're making videos, it's always our attention is split. Like the video is never a hundred percent and the photography is never a hundred percent. And you're also worried like, Oh, is our, our audience going to like these photos? Like, are they going to think we're crappy photography? Like there's that weird external pressure of like feeling like you have to keep one upping yourself or keep you, you know, you're not allowed to take any bad photos or anything like that. So it's, it's a kind of weird place to, to be in. It's a thing that we did to ourselves. Yeah, so we can't complain about it. <laughs> but I will say on that note, on that note of us not like butting heads sometimes, I think like what I've learned from the pandemic is that most couples probably shouldn't be couples because everybody was complaining <laughs> about like being in the same room with their partner for like, you know, more than an hour or whatever. Oh, and totally. Daniel and I, okay, Daniel and I have literally been quarantined since February of 2020. And like, we still love each other so much. Yeah. We're still, we're still like, we're around each other, you know, all the time. Like where we work together, like we're just like, we're like Siamese twins. We're yeah, like, I'm not like going off to go meet up with other people and hang out and you're not meeting up with your friends. Like we're just, we're like each other's, uh, mm. only other people we hang out with right now. So it's, yeah, it's been a, yeah. I feel like it's a testament as, to our, as like business partners. Like, do you ever watch house hunters? Do they have that over there? Yeah, I've watched, I've actually watched the version, your version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like you know how like most of those couples shouldn't be together. Oh, totally. So I was like, I want to live in the city. And, and the other person's like, I want to live in the suburbs. <laughs> we're the opposite. Like we mm. yeah, we're very good business. We're on partners. the same page with yeah. with just just about everything. So I love that so much. It's it's the same as myself and, and Lelu. Like we've been in lockdown since the same amount of time. But even like this weekend. Leela's like, it's my birthday. I'm like, oh, okay, let's do something special. And like took her out and just doing like just literally spent time with her for like two, three days straight. And I'm like, man, I've been spending years with you, just me and you locked up. And I still wouldn't want to hang out with anyone else but you right now. So I think that's like so interesting to see other people have that as well. And I think you have to be like that if you're going to build something and grow something because it needs to be in the flow. Because if you're putting your energy into trying to fight each other or into anything else, then there is no room to thrive. And I think that's really an important aspect in a relationship and when you work in business together as well. And another thing I was going to say is, um, you know, there's couples that shouldn't be together. There's also couples that shouldn't work together. So I've got yes. friends where they're like great couples together, but they starting to run a business together. And I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like life has been shit for the last five years. And it's because you guys work together and you just shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's hard to say, um, oh, you shouldn't, you should like these uh, sweeping uh, rules of like, oh, don't work with your, with family or whatever. It's like, yeah. well, it all comes down to the individual. You know how your relationships mm -hmm. are and your, how you complement each other, if you complement each other and, you know, where friction might be. So it's like, um, you kind of, it is kind of a case by case situation. And for us, it's worked out. That's so cool. So let's talk a little bit about YouTube. This is a whole world that I don't really know about. I kind of miss the boat in a lot of different ways because I don't actually watch YouTube. Maybe I watch it for like a quick tutorial for something, but I've never been the person that sort of like sits there and actually watches mm -hmm. tutorial to learn photography or to learn anything actually, or to 
for any kind of entertainment. Um, I guess because I don't, I don't play video games and I don't really watch TV. So I'm, I'm just the kind of person that's like, Hey man, I'm, I'm out doing something, you know, creating something somewhere, but I'm so fascinated by the whole platform because it's a beast and it's, there is so many cool elements and so, so many cool things about this one platform. And I feel like even though it's huge and it's the biggest platform in the world, I still feel like it's underrated. Like, would you guys agree with me on that one? Or would you think it's, it's overrated? Well, it kind of depends because in some ways it feels oversaturated to me. What about, what about oh, it's definitely oversaturated, but we're yeah. the same way. Like maybe. Is it maybe oversaturated watch- with average though? Like, let's be honest here, because, you know, the wedding photography space is oversaturated, but is it oversaturated at the top end or is it at the bottom end? Well, it's definitely on the bottom end for sure. What happens on YouTube is maybe what happens everywhere, but like, it's all the same. Like Mm -hmm. photography channels, you watch one, they kind of all just mimic each other and do, that's kind of like a little bit of how we had success is because we didn't watch YouTube either. And so Mm. when we went, like when we started making videos, they had their own unique voice because we weren't paying attention yeah. to what everybody else was doing. We were just making a video we, that we liked and we wanted to make. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, there's a lot of the same, like there'll be like a few people who rise to the top and then everybody just copies what they're doing. And so it's a lot of the same. And a lot of times what rises to the top isn't what's quote unquote the best. It's it's mm-hmm. what's most watchable. So maybe. The <laughs> lowest common denominator likes it the most. You know, it's like the Iron Man or Marvel comics mm, big bang theory yeah most watched show well you know is maybe not the best show but it, it pleases the most people who are watching tv i guess so it's like kind of the same concept and, and yeah like when we were starting out like my experience with youtube was i learned i watched it to learn like after effects so i watched video copilot tutorials you know in 2012 when i was like trying to expand my skill set and get get a job and so those tutorials to me were like it was the epitome of a perfect tutorial because it showed you what you're making and what you're making was cool. And then it explained how to do it without any fluff. And so we kind of brought that to our tutorial making. And yeah, our, our motto is just the tips. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, we we're, we're not big uh, camera charismatic kind of like high energy people. Uh, as you can tell, we're pretty uh, low key. And so, um, you know, on camera, it's like, no one's going to see listen to my voice for, for an extended period of time. But so, they'll listen to your podcast. Don't worry. Oh yeah. 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 I'm hoping so. I'm like, Oh man, I'll, I'll put them on. We're talking about it. Plummeting. Everyone's <laughs> deleting the app. Yeah. So, you know, we had, we had adapted also to our personality type. We can't just sit there and off the cuff, mm. talk about um, everything we want to talk about in a video. You know, we had kind of had to like script it out and keep it kind of succinct so that, um, yeah. And just punchy so that Full of we, gifts. we retain a Full little of bit of an audience. Yeah. Can I ask like um, for myself when I started a podcast and this is me just being honest with myself, I was like petrified of talking on podcasts. And so I started a podcast because I was like, I need to be in a space where I'm always uncomfortable and for me to grow, I can't be scared of something because then I'm just not growing. So I actually just want to do it. And of course I was horrible at it and I just kept doing, kept doing it. And then now I'm slightly better than horrible. And so I think a lot of people don't even get slightly better than horrible because they allow themselves the fear to overcome them from going to another level. So I notice a lot of times, like when I talk about YouTube with people, people are like, no, no, I'd never get in front of a camera. So then they stop it off and not knowing like there's other ways that you can create videos or maybe you need to face your fears or, or, you know, whatever it is. So do you feel like when you started a YouTube channel and you guys got in front of the camera, it really was like facing a fear of presenting to the world? First of all, I think you're doing a lovely job 
being a podcast guy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and second of all, yeah. So what we did was kind of somewhere in between that was we didn't get in front of the camera really. We did a lot of like voiceover. So it like felt like it was still behind the camera. But we did do like in our very first video, I was like, you know, we should go on camera just to, at the very end, just to kind of connect with people. Cause otherwise you're just like this faceless totally. voice behind. And I feel like people can't really make a strong connection to you and, unless they can kind of see you. And so mm. I was like, let's just go on there and just do like a little outro kind of thing. And so we were, when I watched that video back, like we're obviously so uncomfortable because that's just mm. out of our element. We are most photographers are kind of behind the camera kind of people by nature, I feel like. And so it was very uncomfortable that's for so us. But, and, and also like, you're kind of the internet, it can be a brutal place. And we don't, it's not like we we're, we weren't born with thick skin or anything. So like we, you know, you don't want to look foolish on the internet. You don't want to be criticized. Like no one really wants that. So it was kind of uh, feeling a little bit vulnerable by doing so because like my first experience uploading a YouTube video was like in 2007, I uploaded like a stop motion thing I did at college. And I just to show like my parents what I did. And for some reason it got like three, brutally mean comments. I'm like, why are they watching this video? It's not for them. I wanted to send this to my mom. And it was just like these people tearing it apart. I'm like, okay, well, it wasn't for you. <laughs> and so then ever since then, I'm like, <laughs> I, I kind of just, it's kind of better just to lay back and I don't know, not feel like people are just going to tear you apart for no reason. So it's easier not to stand out and sort of just go under the radar, which is like most people do. Which we could have done. And then we would have never had this anywhere this yeah. business we would have you know not Wouldn't be this. on this podcast exactly so we put ourselves out there even though it's uncomfortable do you think i think a lot of people hold themselves back from their haters or having one bad experience one bad comment or one you know whatever it is and hey i've got to say like i've had my fair share of haters like you can imagine look at my haircut and my shirt like people hate me for the sake of hating mm -hmm. <laughs> And it's real interesting because just like you said, it's like you don't have thick skin or you're not a superhero because you have put yourself in the limelight. You're the same as everybody else and you get affected the same. And even my friends all think it's weird that I get affected the same. So they'll be like, Jai, you get messages all the time. Like, why is that one negative comment like bringing you down? I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I actually don't know why it brings it's, me down so much. It's, it's science. It is scientifically proven. It's scientifically proven that you are 10 times. It's like a, a response goes off in your brain. Sorry, I wasn't talking to my microphone very well. A response no, goes good. off in your brain that's like a danger, like when somebody is aggressive towards you. And that response is 10 times stronger than somebody being positive towards you. And so it's so much easier to scroll past the nice ones. And, oh, yeah. And those mean comments stand out because it's like evolutionary, like, it's science. And it's ridiculous too. Cause you know, you could have a hundred comments like, oh my gosh, you saved oh, yeah. my life you, for something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get all those. One person's like, you suck. And you're like, excuse me. The thing about, <laughs> the, I will say the thing about that is like, if, if you believe the negative comments, you have to believe the positive comments mm. because if like that guy's right, then the rest of those guys are right. And so I just don't believe any of them. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> really, I like that. And, and another aspect though, to look at it though, is if everyone likes your stuff, then you're probably not saying much, honestly, like with your work. Exactly. So like, you know, you kind of have to welcome the critiques and, and you have to realize, which we, I think we've kind of accepted early on is like, our photography is not for everyone. Our style of presentation is not for everyone. Our personalities, our personalities aren't, for aren't for everyone. Like people are going to make, make fun of how we dress, no matter how we dress. And they're going to make fun of how you talk, no matter how you talk and how you shoot, no matter how you shoot. So you can't please everyone. So you just kind of have to be 
happy with the work you're doing for yourself. And no matter what hat you wear, they don't like it. <laughs> that I've learned. Oh no, that's the thing too. So I ran a summit, my wedding photography summit, like a few months ago, and it kind of blew up in a few different spaces in Facebook groups where people like really hated me for it. So they hated me for it. And they'd say stuff like, Josh is trying to make money and he's undercutting the market and he's like selling education too cheap and he's doing this and that. And so a lot of my friends were like screenshotting and they'll show me going like, look, man, everyone's talking about you. Like I'm kind of going past that a little bit. Like, so I don't mind too much now, like if, if that's happening, but what they didn't see is like, I'm like, Hey, look, man, the funny thing is they may hate me, but they know me and they may hate me, but I'm dominating their space and their brain because they're talking about me. So whether they like me or hate me, like my marketing's working. And I think that's really interesting how, like, how even though they don't want to give you fuel, it does give you fuel. It gives you oxygen. It makes something burn brighter and bigger. And they're sharing it with someone that actually might like what I'm doing. And then, you know, we get more ticket sales and the thing grows bigger and the haters actually give you free advertising. Yeah. We always say thanks for the engagement. <laughs> yeah. You say something mean in the comment section, like, Hey, well, boosting our analytics probably in, in YouTube's <laughs> <Yeah>. eyes. <laughs> and uh, yeah. That's so funny, isn't it? <laughs> So with, with YouTube, you know, right now, like it's harder than ever to stand out. And you know, like a lot of people don't want to stand out because we just sort of covered of like, it's easier to fit in than it is to stand out. And it goes against human nature to try and stand out. But do you think in 2021, 2022, you really do like, if you want to own a little bit of little bit piece of the pie on YouTube or a bit of space, you need to get innovative again and you need to be true to yourself and bring something that speaks to someone like you were saying before not trying to speak to everybody but like speak to somebody exactly like we you know over in 2020 we both started our own uh second channels and so our you know we're not just going to make another channel in another niche when it's you know if it's already been done a million times like we want to mm. bring something different to the table so you know i started making videos about you know, how to make money online or like trying different methods of making money and seeing how, if it works or if it doesn't work. And, um, I'm not trying to sell anyone anything on that channel. You know, it's just, well, the, the ad revenue is good enough that like, I don't need to. So like when I started that channel, I'm like, well, I'm not going to sell you a course. I just, you know, it's just like kind of a transparent look at to what I, you know, and at what mm-hmm. like an average person's experiences with something. And then Rachel started her fitness channel. Yeah. So I, didn't want to just make the same videos that everybody else was making. So I made sure to just like make workout videos that I would want to do. So mm-hmm. I incorporated rest breaks that have like really scenic B-roll kind of footage mm-hmm. and I didn't know talking, no talking, like, yeah. like relaxing music. And so people who have like similar stressed out brains like me, um, they're like drawn to my workouts. Yeah. Like some people are going to want a fitness instructor, like yelling encouragement to them. And like, they're going to want EDM or, you know, some hypey music, but like a lot of other people, they don't want this fake, maybe it's not fake, but we don't want, yeah. Like you don't want a fitness instructor yelling at you. You don't necessarily want you know, four on the floor and <laughs> thumpy music. So um, I think you really appeal to people like us who also like that. So that's kind of like always our goal is to like do something different that like fits our personalities and our style. And, and I, there's I, gonna be people who resonate with that. Yeah, I think it's always just like making a video that we would want to watch. Yeah, a lot of times people totally. come and they say, thank you for talking like a normal person and not shouting at me. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to shout at you. I'm not like gonna fake high energy just because the camera's rolling. Like I can't really do that in the 
in, in a genuine way. So we're not going to try to do that. I was hoping you were going to do that just for the podcast, show, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this is going <laughs> to put your listeners to sleep. I, I think with your voice, they, you know, it's very soothing. So, so thank you. Yeah. So you're saying you guys don't look around what everyone's doing, but you look for what is missing. Exactly. Yeah. Such well, a, like such uh, a simple. Formula. I feel like you just said that, um, like in a soothing way on purpose. No. <laughs> I was uh, trying well, to outdo like, Daniel. Well, like with photography in, in uh, 2016, <laughs> when we we're looking to see what was on YouTube in the photography world, there wasn't a lot of people who shot similar to us. And a lot of times it was like long-winded if it was a tutorial and if it was like behind the scenes of a shoot, it was like kind of lower, maybe lower production quality, you know, it just wasn't that, it didn't keep our attention. So we're like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we can showcase our style, which is a little bit different and we can teach or we can show it and also a way that we find engaging. And some people will think that's too short and we talk too fast, but like it, it just works for us. And that's the best we can do, I think. When we started, a lot of the photographers on there were like pixel peepers and like really oh, perfectionist yeah, totally, kind of like totally. science guys. Yeah, and we nice. were like, yeah, we were like just more into the art of photography. I do not care about like I. There's so much we don't care about that like t- tends to be like the more scientific type minded people, the people that really love fine tuning gear, diving into their menus. Like we're we're still shooting on a Canon 5D Mark IV for the most part because like. It, we don't, it, we it will worked. never need anything better it, than yeah, that. I mean, it, it does yeah. the job so well. And it's just like, maybe the R5 is amazing, but like, is our work really going to be much better if we get that camera? Like we were tempted to pre-order it and we, we kind of asked ourselves, are we going to be any better as photographers? And we didn't think we would be. And we didn't think the technological advancements were, would make that much of an impact. So we didn't get it. And so now we still, you know, just kind of rely on the 5D4. What was the question? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still using the 5D3. That thing kills it. No one's ever gone like, oh, is that the brand new camera? Right. Or is that an old right. camera? Yeah, no you clients know be the like, difference anyway. Yeah. Chuck a preset yeah. on there. Chuck a bit of grain. <laughs> I'm always um, chucking a bit of grain. Oh, absolutely. Like It's it, my favorite thing to do. Especially if you're like me. It's like, oh, the photo's not that perfect. I'll put some grain on it. It looks mm-hmm. like it's on purpose. <laughs> Boom, art. So it's funny because um, I don't know if your brain works like my brain works. My brain works like... So a lot of people, most people, 99% of people, they'll jump on, say YouTube, and they look around, and they go, oh my God, man, it's too saturated. Like I'm a wedding photographer. I don't even know what I would do on there or like everyone's already done everything. And my brain works so differently because like I literally see so much opportunity everywhere. So when I jump on YouTube, I look through and I'm like, oh my God, like look at all the things no one's doing. And then my brain just like starts rattling off all these ideas of things that I could do and channels that you could create. And it just sort of turns into a bit of chaos. But do you guys see things like that? Like, so if you're looking around, like instead of being like, oh, it's like saturated, you're sort of looking around going like, there is so many places where no one's doing anything yet. And I don't even know why. I don't know if we're that optimistic about it. When but... we first started out, <laughs> yeah. for sure, we yeah. were like that. But we... now it's it feels like we've already made every video that we can make. Yeah, so mm. I feel like with photography in particular, there's like, you know, you could write down a list of 50 things that you could, oh, I can make a video about this, 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 this. You know, and then after a while, you're like, Okay, I think we've covered like a lot of the, the tips, a lot of techniques. <laughs> I've done everything then, in the world now. And then like, <laughs> well, then you're like, well, I don't know what else I can tell you about Lightroom because if it's not that complex of an application and we've done, you know, 50 videos about it. So now it's just like, maybe like what I think is unique to us is like the shoots that we can come up with are really, I think, fun really and really cool. kind of unique. Really cool. And so it's like, well, 
I, I like watching behind the scenes of shoots. If it's like, um, I mean, I, I guess I don't watch that much, but like that to me is interesting to see how people do things. And if you're like, you know, if you're a college kid or you're, you haven't done, you know, professional photography work, seeing like a professional photographer go around and, and operate during a shoot is like super educational, super beneficial. So like that to us is like, Rachel has like an endless supply of fun shoot ideas. So like once we're able, you know, we can get back out and do that and not, not focus so much on like three tips to do X, Y, Z, you know, it's more like watch us, you know, we'll bring you along as we do, do a fun shoot. That's at least fun for us. I will say that those mm-hmm. shoots that we love to do don't always do very well. Like mm-hmm. what does well are those mm-hmm. like catchy, like what YouTube pushes are like the three get instant better, get photos better. Yeah. Hacks. yeah. Fun. There's yeah. like People certain buzzwords. Even needed. Yeah. Yes. But then, and, and you can, you know, you, you kind of have to do a, a if you want to rely on it for your income, you, you kind of have to play to that a little bit, but like, but after a while, yeah, but, but then you also just, you don't want to feel like you're just losing all of your integrity. Like if you don't actually Mm -hmm. care at all about like those fun, little photo tricks, like it's just going to suck the life out of you and, and really make you jaded really fast and burn you out. So like, it is like staying creatively inspired, doing stuff like when we do like a photo shoot, that's like just one of Rachel's cool ideas. Like they're always just like a lot of fun and like, you don't necessarily have a ton of fun writing a three-step tutorial or something like that. But like that's creative invigorating, creatively invigorating when you can like do a fun photo shoot, you know, that's like, just like a concept in your mind that you can bring to like actualization. Mm -hmm. Love that. Hey, I'm going to like finish up and we're just going to finish up with three tips to be a better self instantly. So if you guys want to give the listeners three tips and then we'll finish it on that. To be better photographers? No, no, definitely not. To be better people. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Celery juice. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to your channel. Is that one? (laughs) That is proven. Uh, Nine out of 10 dentists recommend subscribing to Mango Street. To be better people. What are some parting words that you guys can give my listeners right now that are like sitting there going like, man, I want to go out and take action. I want to do some cool stuff. I want to live a purpose-driven life like you guys have. Take some risks. What can you say to those people? One thing, if you're like, especially if you're in more of the creative field, is like you kind of have to cut your teeth, which a lot of people kind of, I kind of noticed this a few years ago when YouTube was really blowing up for photography. A lot of people kind of wanted to go from like, college or high school just to like teaching like doing mm. photography videos but they like maybe didn't have that much real world experience and it's like well you might just have to kind of get like do all of that work running a, a photography business or doing you know working that job that's like maybe not so glamorous but you're going to gain like so much invaluable experience you can't really skip the work part of it so it's like kind of an unglamorous path in some ways, but it's just like cutting your teeth and doing, doing the work. Just like a lot of times people just kind of, um, you know, YouTube wants to keep you on the platform. So they'll watch a video about how to get better at this and then watch another video, watch another video. And then like, they're not getting out there and shooting. So we always like kind of want people just to maybe get five quick tips and then go out there and actually execute. And like, that's where you're going to get better. Not just from watching YouTube. Yeah. They want to like buy the course and they think that like, oh, I spent the $90 on the course. So now I should have that. Like I buy your presets. Why aren't my photos look like, you know, or whatever it is. So it's like, Mm. you kind of just have to like, like we used to bring our camera everywhere. Like we'd always go on walks, go on 
whatever, try to like make a business expense out of a vacation. It's like we're just shooting so much. And that's really how, you know, you start to get better. So that's one very that. long tip. Sorry about the length. I love that. No, like, like, and just to sort of condense that tip, like when you think about it right now, it's all about like what you're saying is get to work and take action. And the most successful people on the planet always say that where everyone else is like, what's the shortcut? What's the get rich quick? How can I cut this in half? But even right now, like you guys have, you know, massive success. You're doing so many things. You're so busy, but you also, I asked you to get on this podcast and you're just like, yeah, let's do it. I booked in a time, like no problem. And to me, that just shows like you're there literally right now doing the work. Yeah. This and, doesn't feel like work. It feels nice. Oh yeah. And we're just chatting with a friend. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like the, what, you know, I'm a beginner with camera shy bias. So like it honestly doesn't matter. Just like whatever you have money for just find something and get it. And then just, you'll be well on your way. Yeah. You know? Become an expert on that janky camera. That's yeah. the first step. Yeah. Love that. Um, hey, another thing. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, Hey, Rachel, do you want to give me one tip? So you guys seem the like ce- very, I know the celery, um, celery juice. The celery juice is my best tip. <laughs> you it's have my secret sauce. You have good tips for like being a decent human being. Yeah. Empathy is a good one. Expand on that. <laughs> yes. Having empathy. Well, like uh, one thing we've noticed being like on the internet, people forget there's humans on the other side. So, mm. you know, there's always a human being is reading your comment or your message or whatever. So it's just like. Or watching your video. Yeah. Just having like a little bit of empathy to um, just people in general that you find on the internet. Do you yeah. guys think about that I'm when sure you make help. the videos? Like there's actually viewers, not just numbers. Oh yeah. It's interesting. Cause I don't care about like the, the core audience who like, they've been like seeing our videos for a long time. Like I care way more about them than I care about attracting new audience, mm-hmm. audience, I don't know, whatever you say, Huge. new viewers, I guess. Cause like, they're the ones that like already kind of resonate with our work. So like, they're the people like I care about way, way more than like maybe pandering to get more people. Love that. Yeah. Do you have a third one, Jay? <laughs> Uh, you, you guys have really summed up everything, but Hey, here's my third one, because I'm talking to you guys, reach out to someone, like reach out to someone and take a chance, take a chance on yourself. Because, you know, I reached out to both of you guys like years and years ago and look where we are today. That's like eight years later, we're still having a conversation. And I think in eight years time, we'll probably have another conversation. And I think like, if you don't put yourself in the way of life, you won't experience these things. And so many people, sometimes they discredit me for a lot of my success because they're like, yeah, but you got so many friends in the industry. And it's like, man, I wasn't, I didn't come out the womb with friends. And the fact that I put in the work to like reach out to people, to make those connections, bring value to people. I think that says a lot. And, um, and instead of hating me, you should mimic me and actually go out there and say hi to someone because you never know, you know, yeah, on that. kindness to someone. Oh, we, for sure. And when we first moved to LA, we didn't, we, we knew one person who wasn't in photography or anything like that. And I messaged or like, I reached out to one guy I found on Instagram. He also had like a, a drone at the time, which maybe was a little, a little less common, but he was a photographer. And so I, I reached out to him. And then um, a few months after we moved here, we like bought a couple of rolls to film off of him before he had to take a trip to Nicaragua. And so we kind of kept in touch and we meet up every once in a while. Now he's one of one our of, best pals ever. Yeah. One of our closest friends in LA and elsewhere. And it was just kind of like reaching out on Instagram. And it was just kind of like a random thing. We didn't have, you know, a a following or anything like that. It was kind of just, um, he was very nice and he knows a ton, like he's a a native Angelina. He knows a ton of people, but it wasn't like, 
we weren't reaching out because of that. Like I didn't know anything totally. about them. And it was just like a, trying to build a genuine connection. We'd meet up for coffee every once in a while. I would complain how I couldn't get a job at the time. And he would tell me about everything he's working on. And then eventually it keeps kept evolving and we'd hire him for shoots. And Oh yeah. Know. That's the other thing. Can I say that? that's the third thing? Pay your friends. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like when we ever, every time we do like a shoot, we pay like everyone that helps us out for the most part. I, maybe there's a Love few instances that. where we don't, but like we pay everybody because if you're in a position where you can hire your friends who are talented, if you can give them work, do that. That's like the, one of the most rewarding parts of this job. And just like, don't, yes, don't take everything. So, some people take business way too seriously, I think. And it's just like they're penny pinching. They don't want to pay anyone. It's like, pay your models, pay everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We've like never hired them, like worked with a model for freaks unless it was just like a test through an agency. We which did is one test. Shoot. Yeah. But we're always paying everybody that we can because amen to this stuff <laughs> it's a hard industry for everybody models you know videographers like everybody so we just try to give everyone a piece of the pie man i'm, I'm like such a big believer and like if you guys listen to my podcast ever you'd know how much i believe in like paying everybody and hopefully i'll get you guys at the wedding photography summit one day but even like when we first started that we was like we need to make sure we pay everyone and everyone has advised me against like no man like you know people will do it for exposure and i'm like we're not doing that. We're never selling people's stuff for exposure. I've I've sold my stuff for exposure like my whole life. And I'm like, I don't like it. I think I can sell an affordable ticket, but I can work out a way to get money to the people that are actually putting in their time. And I, th- and I just think it's like so important. And I don't know why all creatives miss it. So they complain, yeah. like get paid what you're worth, but they also don't pay anyone what they're worth. And, I'm, and exactly. I, for me, it's like this massive disconnect. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Hard to agree. Okay. I'm going to end it there because I have a doctor's appointment in one minute, which is on the phone anyway. So that's all cool. <laughs> but hey guys, seriously, I've wanted to get you on this podcast for years now and to share that story at the start with you and just to say thank you. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And thank you for being here, bringing so much value to my listeners as well. How can everybody find you? Well, first, thanks so much for having us and the kind words that that's really awesome to hear. Yeah. And good luck with that doctor's appointment. <laughs> that's all right. Just a blood <laughs> you test. can find us on uh, on YouTube and Instagram, the internet uh, under Mango Street, Rachel Galata. She has her Instagram and Rachel Galata Fitness for exercise videos. And my name is Daniel Inskeep and I have kind of um, money making internet ventures videos on my channel too. So, Man, I can't wait to go check those out. I'm all about making money online. I love that. Boom. Like and subscribe, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to smash that subscribe button. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you guys. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Jay. Bye. Bye.